This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown alongside Joita Gupta and Michelle McQuig. One more topic on deck, and it might make your skin crawl just a teensy bit. The city of Vancouver is dealing with what seems like an increase in rats. Video popped up on social media that showed a significant infestation around the Burrard Skytrain station downtown. Pest control experts are also reporting an increase in residential calls. Michelle, what strikes you about this issue? Um, <laughs> the collective groan. <laughs> so uh, it's not just my neat freaky self that makes me want to climb onto the highest possible surface, even at the mention of rats. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I, I barely can here, but I do think this is interesting. There are shifts in, in the in patterns for these things um a, the pandemic I, I funnily enough a release came in that i was reading over the commercial break with a place line of toronto that i don't love that was talking about all about how the pandemic changed migratory patterns for rats because a lot of them were concentrated in downtown areas with lots of restaurants and whatnot when those shut down they moved to find different food sources and have now gotten established in lots of residential suburban communities so far from where they typically go um and this Vancouver situation, of course, is a very particularly high profile one because of where it happened and how it looked. Ugh. But it's symptomatic, I think, of something that cities are going to need to deal with. Patterns have changed. Rats are destructive. There are so many issues linked to um, rat populations around health and and, and, and infrastructure and and. and Oh, the other factor I want to mention that makes this relevant right now is it's housing development. We talk about building housing, but rat populations do set up in building development areas a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So this is going to have to be an active priority, I think, for people moving forward. But I don't think it necessarily has been. So that's kind of why I brought it here. Yeah, rats rats carry Thanks. fleas, and fleas have only yeah. caused a couple plagues in you know human history. So you know, rats, yeah. you know, a little bit of an issue. Not just not just like kind of gross looking. Um, also, yeah. you know, there there are bigger mm-hmm. impacts here. So Joy and Michelle laid out a mm-hmm. couple of the theories there that building development, uh, the pandemic, migratory patterns are being put forward for what appears to be why rat pet populations are up. There is specifically in Vancouver a conversation about a bylaw that was recently passed that mm-hmm. banned a particular kind of rat poison which yes. which was very effective at killing rats but also had a lot of other negative impacts uh, on other forms of uh, wildlife so mm-hmm. joita which of these uh, theories do you find more convincing or do you want to go off the table well i think the um at least in vancouver the rat poison theory is probably the most convincing and there's a lot of there is a lot of evidence to suggest that uh in banning that particular a type of poison it has caused the rat population to skyrocket um there and that's sort of the the tricky public health issues that one has to deal with the poison is supposed to be very dangerous to other animals including pets uh so how do you balance that with trying to control the rat population I mean, which is not you can hear about rats in subways and people in residences um you know and the, i you've, you've already set out the fact that 
a large rat population carries with it the risk of disease and, you know, obviously a poor quality of life. So I think the Vancouver issue is a little, is is quite a bit more, is, is interesting for me because it kind of speaks to this competing priority in public health uh, where you want to eliminate the 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 increase in the rat population but you also have to then start to think through the implications if you just start to if you reintroduce the poison what does that mean for people's pets and other wildlife and animals being affected by it is there another is there another solution mm. michelle you laid out a couple of the theories i have filled in a few more gaps do you find mm -hmm. any of them particularly convincing i i am definitely struck by the the rat poison one for Vancouver specifically is interesting. I do see some merit in the pandemic theory and the way that the species had to adapt in order to survive there. Uh, there is also a school of thought around this that I find extremely concerning because it's not going to go away. And that is the theory that climate change is also playing a role in this and making mm. it easier for rats to, to, to procreate and move around and all these things. And of course, we know uh, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. So this is all part of why I, I just... I, I, I absolutely recognize this is driven by my own <laughs> phobia of these things, but I, I do think that there is a rising impetus for people to pay attention to this kind of issue and maybe give it some more deliberate thought than we heard about discussed before. Um, options are limited yeah. in that yeah. once, once, once a rat population is established, it's pretty hard to root it out forever. And the reason a province like Alberta has been able to maintain its rat-free status, which is kind of fascinating on its own, is because they were really proactive and got ahead of that problem before mm -hmm. the rats could establish a foothold in the province. So I don't think those sorts of measures are, are I don't think we have, need to have, you know, whole conversations around re reinventing the wheel. But I do think that there are more factors that may, are making this a more urgent issue than it perhaps might have been. Michelle, where does the rat but fear also, come from? But also, I'm, does... I'm just totally spooked. So that, 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 <laughs> Michelle, where, where does the rat, uh, not, not to play therapist here, but where does the rat fear come from? Was it the last chapter of 1984? That sure did not help. It absolutely did not help. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm pest and wrote, and, and I'm a neat freak and I'm pest phobic. So yeah, I, you know, I, I <laughs> it's do, a bad combo. I do, I do wonder where there's maybe a bit of a disability lens on that. I've oftentimes told people if they're in my apartment, like if you see bugs or you see something that might be a pest, I need you to tell me because I might yeah, not so see it. Yeah, so I can it. leave the premises immediately. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I can leave the, yeah, I can well. leave the premise, I can leave the premises immediately, but you need to also like understand that maybe there's a problem here that I need to deal with that I'm not yeah. going to see otherwise. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. exactly. Uh, but also, you know, bearing in mind that there are very harsh treatments for a lot of these, and that can be harmful to some people, especially, uh, you know, people with respiratory issues mm -hmm. or other kinds of yeah. chemical sensitivities, right? So there's a, these are complex issues. Often when you're thinking about any kind of pest control, uh, you're asked to prepare your apartments. You know, if you think about spraying for bugs, for example, they'll tell you to empty out your cabinets, and there's a disability issue there if you have a back oh, yeah. problem yeah. or you're oh, not yeah. able to do that. So... Um, yeah, I think it, it, the two issues do intersect in, in significant ways. Um, but I think it's hard to say that any of us would have been, like, it's hard to emulate Alberta as an example. It's a really good yeah. example where someone really got out in front of the problem and said, we're going to deal with rats, which are an invasive species before they become a problem. I don't know if Vancouver or other cities can really go back to square one and implement some of those strategies. But I think 
I don't think so. there's something to be said for coordinated pest control. Often in places uh, like Toronto, for example, pest control is the responsibility of individual property owners. Um, so whether it's a restaurant owner and, you know, they have to comply with health and safety or if it's uh, landlords, residential units, they're supposed to comply with municipal property standards. But the, who's actually paying for that is is the individual a property owner uh they have they do have municipal bylaws that require that they keep apartments in a good state of cleanliness and um health and safety concerns are are taken seriously including pest management but maybe we do need to have a a conversation um maybe it's on the municipal level maybe it's on the provincial level about how we coordinate pest control efforts uh particularly um i mean there's some consistency when we talk about food preparation areas and hospitals but maybe we need to have a chat about public transit which is a really big uh yes. big way in which uh pest control measures are uh where, which is a really big way in which pests basically travel from one part of the city to the next so maybe there needs to be more of a focus on on pest control in public transit areas um uh, so and that yeah, that came was... that came up in France with the bed bug outbreaks last year yes. because there was a lot yeah. of bed bugs being detected on uh, public transit in Paris and the city of Paris actively had to go out and say we are going to start attacking the bed bug problem on public transit so so there is there is precedent for this yeah and and i mean public transit is something that you know partly it's paid for by user fees but it's also partly uh paid for by through public dollars so maybe bearing in mind the health implications bearing the mind in mind that you know people often bring back whether you know pests having used public transit and we want people to use public transit given how much given you know the climate change that we've just talked about and the reduced carbon footprint associated with transit use, if we want to make it an attractive alternative to everybody jumping in their cars and driving everywhere, then maybe we should also make it a rat-free alternative. Yeah. So well, you, you, there's, some, there's some good arguments. You there. guys both raised Alberta. I think it's worth explaining here. Alberta has a zero-tolerance policy for rats that goes back a long ways, but still yeah. actively has to be engaged with in real time. There are all mm -hmm. kinds of shipping containers and trucks that pass through Alberta. There is a zero tolerance for rats. They are killed and exterminated on the spot, on site. They still pay yep. people to patrol the border with Saskatchewan yeah. to keep rats out of the <laughs> province, right? Like, like this isn't some like little miracle. It wasn't some magic no. wand they waved. No, it was a no, concerted no, no. effort, right? Now, I don't know what appetite there is in Vancouver for a rat cull, but like, you know, that might be what it takes. But anytime you use the word cull, everyone gets cranky, just like the coyote cull in Stanley Park a couple years ago. We let well, the coyotes win, by the way. I still say we let the coyotes win, <laughs> Michelle. But I, th I think, like, I, I think what you said is is relevant in that. I think the ship has sailed. I think full on culls like that aren't necessarily feasible because rats get established so quickly and so easily. And that was the whole point of the Alberta program. I actually did some reading on it yesterday. It was kind of interesting, uh, including the fun fact that a lot of the propaganda they put out to help engage the public in this exterminating rats was exactly linked to communist ideology because it was post-war. It was immediately, it was like 1950. Anyway, um, yeah, they, their, their big thing was we have, we have geographic protections on the northern 
eastern and southern borders, but from the west, sorry, reverse, western border is protected, but from the east where Saskatchewan lies is that's where we're vulnerable to rats. They set up like 250 exterminating officers mm -hmm. around that border. Mm -hmm. their, their whole point was to get rid of this and prevent them from even getting established. And that, that's where I think that ship has sailed. Rat populations are established in like most cities mm. I can think of, but it's it's the changing patterns that I think trouble me, and that and that make me wonder if our existing systems are equipped to deal with things changing in the way they have. You know what the answer is here? We go back to the European model, the German model, and we breed about a million schnauzers and we let them loose in the city. They are ratters by nature. That's what they were bred to do, kill rats. So we breed about 100,000, even up to a million schnauzers, and we let them <laughs> run wild through the streets of Vancouver, taking care of the rats, and then we can deal with the schnauzer problem later. People love schnauzers. Yeah, People I would adopt. Schnauzers. I would adopt one. I would adopt. I would adopt a, 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 a civic hero, Schnauzer. All right, guys, got to be right? got to be quick. Got to be quick on the way out of here, Michelle. You posed this question in the email thread that pretty much became the crux of the daily poll today at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc on Facebook. How much could pest control impact where you choose to live? A little, a lot, or not at all? What do you say, Joita? A lot, a lot. It's a big one. Michelle, a whole lot. Yeah, that's where I land too. I don't want to. I don't want to don't wanna yeah. live in some kind of libertarian pest city. I, you know, you know, we can't do. We can't do that one. I don't like that one. Uh, Hard no. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you both for this, uh, Michelle. Your level of excitement for the Super Bowl. Oh, the opposite of the of the pest control. Zero. Okay. So we're at, I, I forgot it was I forgot it was happening. We're at zero, so so Usher's not gonna do it, nor will Reba <laughs> McIntyre singing the national anthem. Joita, your level of excitement for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Oh, it's on Sunday, is it? Um I had no yeah, idea right? you just but mentioned that. Me. So yeah. All right, well, I'll be on vacation next week, so have fun talking to Alex Smythe. Uh, there's no correlation between me taking Monday off and the Super Bowl. Guys, have a, gr have a great weekend. Is, yeah. Even though it happens every year, it's the weirdest thing. Not last year. Alex Smythe beat, beat, me, beat me in for the vacation request, so I had to work last Super Bowl Monday. Ooh, well played, Alex. Uh, oh. Joey, have a nice weekend. Thank you. Michelle, you have a nice weekend, too. You, too. Take care and enjoy vacation. Thank you very much. That's Michelle McQuig, weekend news editor at the Canadian Press. Joey Gupta is the host of The Pulse on AMI-audio. You can find that show weekend ends at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up after the break, the Super Bowl enthusiasm finally boils over. I've been containing myself all week. So it starts with sincere, earnest sports talk and will devolve from there. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.